So last week we saw a blowout jobs report. It exceeded economist expectations and wage gains were also higher than expected. A lot of the real-time economic data seems to be pointing to a reacceleration in the U.S. economy. Joining us today to discuss this and more is Financial Sense Wealth Management CIO Chris Paplava. So Chris, I want to get your take on what you're seeing. I know that you track this information very closely but there's quite a bit of disagreement, I would say, in terms of just how strong last week's numbers were. Most of the headlines saying this was a blowout jobs number, wage gains were also high. And of course, the consensus view right now, it seems lining up either for a soft landing, that's a growth deceleration, but no recession, or a no landing where we're just up, up and away with the U.S. economy. Let's focus specifically on last week's blowout in quote jobs numbers and uh, get your take on how strong you think those numbers were. Well, Chris, I think the best way to kind of analyze anything is to take a weight of the evidence approach. Just taking one report isn't, you know, to me, objective. And when we look at, for example, jobs or labor, it's the reason why it's important is that's one of the main four components that the National Bureau of Economic Research uh, Institute uses to determine recession dates. And it, it's a big one, right? A lot of things flow through employment. The greater jobs you have, the more aggregate income there's going to be in the economy, which means more consumption and spending. And if you're spending, you're consuming things, well, you have to produce those things. And that leads to manufacturing. So, you know, really the heart of any economy comes down to jobs. And the the industry, for whatever reason, primarily focuses on the non-farm payrolls. And that one is the establishment survey. And the reason why that one's concerning for me, Chris, is it does have a lot of models. It's got the, you know, the famous birth death model. uh, And there's a lot of estimates there. And that's just one survey, but there's many others. Let me just kind of give you some numbers to show you the different messages they're sending. Now, if they were both saying some message, then that's one thing. But uh, just to give you an idea of how different the payroll data is right now. Let me give you an example of looking at the non-farm payroll. So in September of last year, non-farm payrolls increased by 246,000. October, we saw a gain of 165,000. November, a gain of 182,000. December, 333,000. And then for January, we had the big blowout of 353,000. So, you know, on the low side, you know, maybe the upper 100s and on the upper end, you know, as high as 350,000. So that's the establishment survey. When we look at the household survey, we will see a completely different picture. In September, a gain of 50,000. October, a loss of 270,000. November, we saw a big jump of 586,000, a lot of that likely seasonal. But in December, we saw a loss of 683,000. In last month, which was the biggest non-farm payrolls in six months, a gain of 353,000, the household survey saw a loss of 31,000. So there's a massive divergence between non-farm payrolls and the household survey. And just to kind of smooth things out for you looking out the last 12 months, you tell me what the progression looks like to you, Chris, but the 12 month average for the household survey shows a gain of only 83,000 jobs a month. So for the last 12 months, only 83,000 jobs. You look at the six month, that average is a loss of 10,000 jobs a month. And you look at the three month average, that goes to a 43,000 loss in jobs per month. So 
not yet on a 12-month, but on a six-month basis, Chris, on average, we are losing jobs. On a three-month average, you know, we're we're still obviously losing, it, but it's an acceleration. It's an, and it's an acceleration to the downside. So for me, when I look at that household survey, Chris, I, I don't think it's a blowout number. I mean, we're losing jobs. And there, what's really important to understand, there's a big difference between how those two surveys are done. The establishment survey, not from payrolls, that is looking at from the employer perspective. The household survey is looking at from the employee perspective. So let's say, Chris, you're working at Target and you just had your hours cut from 40 hours down to 30. So now you're part-time, but you need obviously 40 hours of work to pay your bills. So you go and you get a job at Starbucks. Now you're working 10 hours at Starbucks, 30 at Target. When you get a call from the, you know, for the household survey by the government, are you working? You answer yes. I'm working two jobs, but I'm working. You're considered that you're employed, that you are working. Now, when you look at the establishment survey or looking at it from the employer perspective, the government's going to look at Target and say, oh, you're, you're working for Target. Your count is one job. Then they're going to look over at Starbucks and see you're working at Starbucks as well. So now they count you twice. Your count is two jobs. So at economic turning points, you tend to see non-farm payrolls overestimate jobs and at troughs underestimate. So that's why I have a big concern there. And when you look even further into the details, Chris, there's we're just seeing kind of the dominoes of what you see in employment wise in terms of heading into recession. So, you know, one of the things that businesses do, which I've mentioned many times on the show, is is that you as a business, when your sales are slowing, the first thing you do is you cut your hours. You're not laying people off yet. Another thing you can do is lay off your temporary workers. You don't have to worry about paying unemployment or anything like that. And they typically are your least skilled. They've worked for you the, the least re relative to your full-time employees. And then ultimately, when you continue to see the trend of falling sales, not only are you cutting hours, not only are you laying off your part-time, then you're starting to lay off your full-time. And so what you typically see as you're about to slip in a recession is full-time employment declines just as part-time employment picks up. And Chris, that is exactly what we are seeing right now. When you look at full-time jobs, we saw a peak last June at around 135 million full-time jobs. We're now, Chris, at 133 million. We have lost 2 million full-time jobs in just the last six months. And that's when you're looking at the household survey, right? Not the establishment survey, which is more of the model-driven one. That's correct. And when you, when you look at that, Chris, there's a lot more granular data. I mean, you can look at industries, you can look at gender, age. So you get a lot more granular data looking at that household survey. And that's, to me, a big concern, Chris. I mean, when you look at, for example, the 2008 recession, from what I can tell, the, the peak in full-time employment was roughly maybe one or two months before uh, the recession began. And full-time employment more or less peaked in the 2001 recession. We've had a peak, Chris, over six months ago. So, you know, that's a concern of mine. Uh, I'm seeing temp employment is now negative year over year. I'm seeing hours worked near one of the lowest levels in the last decade. Full-time employment jobs have fallen by 2 million. So to me, Chris, the, the data is not robust. And I think that's part of the problem is that too often financial markets, which you know I think we've got more algorithmic trading going on, is just based on the headline. It's not actually based on looking at the actual you know, underlining data and seeing what's there. And you know, another survey I like to look, Chris, because again, you don't see the, quite the revisions that, that you do with the government data, 
is looking at the Paychex Small Business Jobs Index. So Paychex is one of the largest payroll service providers. They primarily cater to small businesses. So not like ADP, which is more the larger companies. And, you know, we know that small businesses are the engine growth for jobs in this country. And what they show, and again, this is this isn't a model, this is based on actual bean counting. You know, this is from their customer base. I think they've got 30,000 different businesses that uh, report to them. And what they're showing over the last 12 months is that their jobs index has fallen by 1.4%. And I mean, you just go back and you look at history, Chris, losing jobs on an annual basis, that's the stuff you see in recessions, not expansions. So to me, we're really close, I think, to being on the cusp of a recession. Now, it's not definitive. You know, we could see a reacceleration growth so that this kind of touch and go where we may just be slipping in recession can turn around and, and go the other way. But I don't really see, Chris, a huge catalyst for a, a turnaround or acceleration in growth. If anything, I think some of this data that we're seeing from the government is going to turn on the downside. Uh, for example, one of the things I look at, Chris, is breath. You know, in, in terms of the market, is it just a handful of companies, Magnificent Seven, are lifting the market, or is it more broad-based? Same thing with the economy. We've got 50 states. Are we seeing growth in all 50 states, or is it just maybe a handful of a couple of them? And one of the data points that I like to look at is the Institute of Supply Management's manufacturing report. And within that, they have, I believe, the numbers, a total of 18 industries that they look at and survey. And one of the things they ask is, you know, what percent of those industries are showing growth? And of all the different components, from new orders to production to exports to employment. And when we look at employment, only 16% of industries, Chris, are reporting growth. That is almost matching the trough of what we saw with the downturn during COVID in 2020. The 2009 recession, basically, the, the trough was zero. I mean, we literally saw zero industries reporting growth. But we're, where we are right now at 16%, that is recessionary. I mean, deep recession, not even borderline recessionary. I'm talking deep recessionary levels. And we've got you know three recessions to look back to, to kind of compare to on that uh, data going back to 2000, the 2001 recession. And one of the leading components of the ISM report that tends to lead the overall index is new orders. And as of right now, we only have about 27% of industries showing growth in new orders. So that's extremely anemic right now, Chris, at uh, 27%. I mean, that's basically below the trough of what we saw with COVID back in 2020. And we look at the 2001 recession, we got down to the low 20s as well. So I, I'm just not seeing the recovery. If anything, Chris, I think on a rate of change basis, it may not be as bad. You know, when you look at the conference board's LEI, you know, that's starting to, to stabilize a bit. But it's to me, it's just the comps. You know, the comps are getting easier because we, we fell so much in, in 22, 23 in terms of manufacturing. But when I look at that household survey, Chris, and I'm seeing job losses on a three and six month basis and just barely uh, positive on a 12-month basis. And then I look at paychecks, which paychecks is saying we are seeing continual decline. And January's uh, for paychecks, their employment growth fell about 0.5%. So that's actually, to me, a little bit accelerating on the downside. And what's nice about the paychecks data is they break it out by regions, you know, states and metros. And 
The, the biggest declines in Northeast on a 12-month basis, a loss of 2% in payrolls. South is about 1.4, Midwest one and a quarter, and the West has done the best, but that's still negative at 0.5%. So when we look at things, Chris, to me, the, the standout is the establishment survey. But again, that is heavily impacted by models, which to me extrapolate forward by looking backwards. So they're not going to catch the turning points. And that's why for me, I think things are going to be really touchy here. And I would not breathe a sigh of relief by just looking at that uh, January payrolls report. Uh, I'll be looking very intently at February and seeing what that brings. Well, it's interesting because we just spoke with Peru Saxena recently on our insider podcast. And, you know, he's a pretty savvy trader, investor. And what he had said is that all the macro signals are still pointing towards recession, that basically they are pointing towards hard landing. And he cited the difference between the GDP numbers and gross domestic income, flagging recession with contracting income. He talked about the conference board leading economic index, which has now seen, I think it's 20 plus months of contraction. He cited bank lending. I mean, it went through a litany of all these different indicators that strategists are looking at that are all saying recession, 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 which has been the case really ever since last year. And yet there's no recession, right? So his explanation for that was, well, we see the US government spending over $6 trillion last year, fiscal year 2023. We're going to see a big budget deficit again in 2024. We have the whole hype or the momentum really within the AI tech space, which is just keeping the indices high. That's boosting sentiment. Uh, so that's putting a big thumb on the scale. And then there's just a lot of capital also coming into U.S. markets, U.S. economy. So all these things together are really creating a very interesting dynamic where, you know, you have these figures like you're talking about the household survey, which is a reliable signal for what's happening in the economy and the jobs market. And it's diverging so strongly with some of these other signals. So there's a lot of conflicting signals. And I think the, the point is, as you told us last time, is that this soft landing, hard landing debate that's ongoing consensus, of course, now at no landing, that when it comes down to it, given these conflicting signals, I mean, you're now at the point where really the risk allocation to the stock markets is neutral because it could go either way. We could see a recovery or we could just as easily see things sink back down into recession. But is that still the view that you're giving now to both clients and, and people that you talk to is that stay neutral on the market This at this point, don't be overly exposed to the market, but also don't be underexposed? That's correct, Chris. I mean, there is a chance that, you know, Biden wants to throw some extra stimulus at the economy, things keep afloat. I just don't feel that this is the kind of environment where you want to be above average in terms of your risk exposure. And, you know, I, I mean, I still remember, Chris, um, you know, one of the articles I wrote back in the spring of 2008, uh, it was titled An Inconvenient Adjustment. And all I did is I took GDP, instead of using a GDP deflator, I used the current CPI report. And based on that, we were already in recession, you know, as Peru Saxena said, and it, it's something that the National Bureau of Economic Research also looks at is they don't just look at GDP, they look at GDI, gross domestic income. And, you know, that's kind of flagging recessionary levels. So, um, you know, it, it could turn out a couple, you know, six, 12 months from now that uh, once the data is finally revised that 
we were in recession right now. We didn't know it. That's happened time and time again. So to me, it's just there's a lot of conflicting data, Chris. And unless there's a really strong uniform signal, to me, you know, conservatism is is the best course of action. And that would seem uh, certainly appropriate, at least at current levels, because as Craig Johnson just spoke on our podcast this weekend, at Piper Sandler, you know, he's their chief market strategist technician. Bullseye, Craig Johnson, as we have named him, because he consistently hits the mark on his year-end target forecast for the S&P 500 over and over again. You know, if not right dead on, I mean, very, very close. It's amazing. And so he's been uh, consistently bullish through much of the bull market. And um, even on the, the most bullish side compared to many other analysts. And yet when we just spoke with him this past weekend, you know, he said this market rally is currently on weak footing. He's seeing breath, not giving a confirmation to the current highs. So he's not bearish per se. They still have this, I believe it's a 50, 50, 5,050 year end target for the S&P 500. But at this point, given so much of the gains have been front-loaded into this first part of the year and into the back end of last year with that very strong rally, you know, he's much more cautious at these levels saying that we should expect some level of consolidation given where we're at now. That makes sense, Chris. I mean, it, I am seeing some selectivity. You look at the percent of stocks above their 50-day movement average, that's diverging. Uh, I mean, we're just, it's kind of a repeat of last year. It's its looking at AI, you know, AI tech stocks are really lifting this market. When you want to break down and look at it, I mean, you've got the Dow Jones Industrials is up two, but the transports are down one, the S&P is up three. You look at the S&P equal weight, it's down half a percent. I mean, we're talking over 400 basis points of performance difference between the same index. It's just the weighting. You look at the uh, reverse cap index, which is basically the S&P in reverse where Apple's the smallest, that's down 2%. Mid caps down one and a half. You got the Russell small cap down almost four and a half percent. So, I mean, it is a very, very narrowly focused market at this point. So I definitely think there's a lot of vulnerabilities here uh, at this point. And I definitely think it makes more sense to be cautious at this standpoint and at this level in the market. Well, once again, we've been speaking with Financial Sense Wealth Management CIO, Chris Paplava, who we speak with every two weeks on our program to get an update on our internal outlook on the market and the economy. And Chris, basically in sum, as you said, a lot of conflicting signals out there, market breadth and alignment with what Craig Johnson said this weekend is uh, still pretty weak and con largely concentrated on the tech sector. But when you look under the hood, whether or not it is the various sectors or even the economic data, particularly in light of this big jobs number that we saw last week, things aren't looking so good under the hood. So conflicting signals, a neutral posture is probably warranted, and that's what we're doing and how we're navigating this current market landscape. Yeah, it you know, like I said, Chris, if anything, you know, we, we've got our eye on the exit. Warren Buffett's rule number one, don't lose money, right? Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. So, you know, if you can really avoid those big drawdowns, Chris, you don't have to hit it out of the park to do well. You lose 50%, you got to double your money to break even. So, you know, it's that whole idea. So for us, given there's not a whole, you know, there's a lot of conflicting data. The best analogy is we've been keeping our eye on the door, but we've actually been moving closer and closer to that door. So uh, we're not ready to call a bear market. We're not ready to call a recession, but we are definitely getting closer so that when or if that event happens, 
we're going to be one of the first out. We're not going to, you know, be fighting and arguing, oh, the economy's strong, GDP's great, and look at the uh, non-farm payrolls number. That's a blowout. There's what recession are you talking about? No, that's not us, Chris. We're going to be much closer to that exit so that we're not going to be one of the first ones out or last ones out and fighting, you know, the, the, the crowd as it goes out. Well, as always, if any of you would like to provide some feedback on what we discussed today with Chris or reach out to us, see how we can assist you with our financial planning or asset management services, you can always go to our client website, which is financialsensewealth.com, or also use the Contact Us page there. And uh, as always, if you have any questions for future subjects or topics that you would like Chris to delve into and provide his take and analysis on, feel free to send us a message. You can email me directly at Chris, that's Chris with no H at financialsense.com. And we'll be sure to answer all of your questions in the smart macro segment that we do with Chris every two weeks. Chris, always a pleasure to speak with you. Look forward to next time. The Financial Sense News Hour is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be considered as a solicitation or offer to purchase or sell any securities. The investments, investment strategies, and investment philosophies discussed or presented on the News Hour each involve their own unique risk factors, which are not discussed on the show. Responses to listener inquiries are based on the personal opinions of the Financial Sense staff and do not take into account listener suitability, objectives, or risk tolerance. Financial Sense News Hour and its parent company shall not be liable for any financial losses that result from investing in any companies mentioned in Financial Sense or arising out of the use of any material on the news hour. Be advised that you invest at your own risk.